0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Tuesday, June 15th, 2021. So, Aaron, I'm going to give you three guesses. What do you suppose we're talking about for this week's show? Oh, Netflix and Neil Gaiman gave a behind-the-scenes sneak peek at Sandman.
1: We're going to talk about that? Uh, Guess number two? Okay. Mm -hmm. DC has asked Harley Quinn producers to remove one scene from season three. They say when it comes to Catwoman, Batman is not allowed to be clever with his words. He cannot be a cunning linguist not that. Okay. No, not that okay okay uh number three guest number three cowboy bebop live action will feature music by original composer yoko Kano. to which i say all right three two one let's
0: jam you're so close but no uh <sighs> we are recording again june 15th which is the day before the second episode of marvel studios and the latest limited series loki airs We're going to record the news portion of today's show tonight and then regroup tomorrow morning with the idea that we'll record the feature portion of this week's show after the two of us have seen episode two. So that way, this week's episode of Marvelous Disney will be as timely as possible, at least as far as Loki is concerned.
1: I'm going to be watching it at three. What time you watch it? 3 a.m. I'm up. (laughs) You down? Are we recording at 3.30? Is that how we're doing it?
0: I'm old. I need sleep. Ugh. I will be up relatively early. And if you want to reach out to like eight or nine, I'll be good.
1: Just eat some turkey, take a nap now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretend <laughs> it's Thanksgiving, so you, unbutton the pants, it's, it's, take a nap in the Lazy Boy. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. It's it's Taco Tuesday. I, I, I oh. I'm from, Immediately from here, I have to pivot to All go right. make tacos. So anyway, uh, this is the third limited series that Marvel Studios has delivered to Disney Plus to date. Bob Chapek just yesterday was speaking at the 23rd Credit Suisse Communication Conference. Revealed that in the first week that Loki became available for viewing on the company's subscription streaming service, episode one of this limited series was the most watched Disney Plus series in history. You surprised? Disney Plus has only existed for 19 months. So it's like, you know, we're sure. not talking. Oh, the dawn of time. It's been 19 months. Okay. What's supposedly really exciting the folks at Disney is, I mean, remember, we were talking about WandaVision. They were very, very happy with those numbers when it debuted back in January 15th of this Mm -hmm. year. For the first episode, 655,000 households tuned in. We got 655,000 for WandaVision's premiere episode. We then, when Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it debuted March 19th, we had 759,000. So that was a jump of 104,000 households. And then when we had Loki drop just last week, they had 890,000 households. So that they'd had a jump of 130,000 households for the premiere since Falcon of the Winter Soldier. And that to Disney says, this is a legitimate pop culture phenomenon. We've got the equivalent of people who are turning to friends and family who are saying, hey, are you watching these shows? And if you're not, you really need to subscribe to Disney Plus because you're missing out on something special.
1: Now, were were these opening day views, were they over a week, over the lifetime of the show? Did they measure that statistic or was it just a number of households that I, watched it?
0: I want to say that there's the, the viewing day, then there's viewing day plus four, then there's a the viewing day... Right you know, the full week. But the other thing, frankly, that, that's amazing Disney is think about it. Just today, we had Governor Newsom standing outside the entrance of Universal Studios Hollywood declaring, you know, California is open, you know, come on back. And we've had much the same thing going on in New York State. So the fact that we're seeing these sorts of people who are deciding to stay home to watch these shows at a time when we're all being told, okay, take off the mask, go outside, resume your life, go to a restaurant, go to a movie. This is kind of extraordinary. But at the same time, there are folks at Disney who are genuinely sweating. What does this mean for Black Widow? And we talked on that previous show about how they moved Loki to a Wednesday premiere, because I want to be sure that Come Friday, July 9th, when when Black Widow drops, that everyone's dance card is clear. You know, they've had two and three days to watch Loki. I guess what what's weird is that what just happened with uh, in the Heights this past weekend, I mean, it was universally praised across the board. and given the huge numbers that Hamilton had done last summer on Disney Plus, the assumption was, well, you know, and well, Miranda, you know, and look at the reviews. This is going to do great business. And, nobody turned
1: out i saw commercials on tv where they had like the rock saying go out and see it and then there was one with Kristen bell go out and see it it's amazing yeah. and yeah. and uh, i was like you couldn't pay me to go into a theater right now. and i've i've been vaccinated right now so mm. i mean i could
0: i forget if it was uh carly weisel or alicia stella the, the two mm. uh two ladies who do an amazing job of covering the theme park world but they were talking about being in The Universal Parks for uh, VelociCoaster just opened this past week and just sort of alluded to the fact that in a weird sort of way, to walk into a park after all this time of wearing a mask and having to do it over the course of a press event two and three days in a row, it was weirdly therapeutic because the first day was shocking to be around so many, you know, be wearing a mask and around so many people who weren't. And by day two, it's like, okay, so this is the world now and by day three, it's like, okay, I can do this again. But yeah, it, it was kind of being dropped in the the deep end and, 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 and you're right. I mean, I, you know, I haven't been back to a theater since onward. and I saw that back in March of 2020. And I was trying to decide if I really would go out to a theater and catch Cruella because everyone again, you know that's gotten amazing reviews. But, you know, just not there yet. And up here, particularly in New Hampshire, you know, everywhere the sign has changed from mandatory wear a mask to the effect of if you're fully vaccinated, you know, or if you're not fully vaccinated, we, we recommend that you wear a mask. But otherwise, you're free to move about without a mask. But see,
1: when when I or my wife walk into a store and we don't have a mask on, mm-hmm. we get death looks from all the people like, what are you doing? And I want to have a big T-shirt that says, I'm vaxxed, not anti-mask, right? You know, yeah. like, I'm okay. You're okay. We're okay. Calm yeah. down. So, I mean, I still wear a mask for other people's mm-hmm. mental comfort. Mm-hmm. I've been wearing a mask for over a year. So, it, to me, I, I really don't mind. Mm-hmm doing it for other people's sake. And I did go into a store today. It was like, I don't care if you're vaxed or not, you got to have a mask on. Then you got to use the hand sanitizer before you touch
0: anything. And mm-hmm.
1: if you don't get out and I'm like, well, I really want to buy something. So I got to, I got, I got to obey your rules so I can get my thing. Right?
0: No, that's that. I, and, but a different,
1: I was going to say a different problem, Jim right now is Disney has just trained me not to go to the theater recently because I've been getting weekly fixes mm-hmm. of one division. I've been getting for a little gap there. Then weekly fixes of, Falcon and the Winter Soldier that I've been getting weak. And it's like they're coming out like my comic books used to yeah. on the regular. Yeah. And I, I haven't needed to go to the theater. And I've been thoroughly entertained over the course of like a month and a half. Mm-hmm. And even though Black Widow may be spectacular on a big screen and all the theater reasons to go, mm-hmm. I've really been enjoying the series almost more like I could, I could care less about what happens in a movie right now. Mm-hmm. Even the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I'm like, I'm so thoroughly enjoying Loki. Mm-hmm. I don't need anything else. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Thank you. I'm full. No, no, no. I, 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 it in I, on the I completely I under, the
0: understand what you're saying, and, and just by the way, to double back. You talked about the death glares that you get. I uh, my solution to the death glares is I actually walk around the store. I uh, will have my shopping list in one hand, and in the other hand, very prominently displayed is my my blue mask. If I'm in a situation where somebody says you you need to put a mask, it's say like, absolutely immediately. I have it right here. But trying to get across the point that I am vaccinated, but I am also respectful of other people's concerns. So,
1: yeah, it's just I want it to be at at a point where we can just go into a theater and nobody cares about anything but butter or no butter on your popcorn. That's (laughs) the only question I want to have to answer.
0: Well, well, at that point, let let me get to the gratuitous plug here that the the, the news portion of this week's episode of Marvelous is being brought to you by the the kind folks at Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner, the Jim Hill Media Podcast. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, so we were just talking about all these wonderful, you know, limited series from Marvel Studios. One of the ones that Marvel fans have really been looking forward to is She Hulk, which by the way is not supposed to debut on the streaming service through early 2022. Don't know if you saw the news this week. They are continuing to cast. So do you want to talk about who's joining the show or is it Jamila Jamil? hmm Yes. Yeah. You know she was uh, from
1: from the good place.
0: She was. She was. She, and played, she was fabulous. Like that I loved her character. I I, I genuinely enjoyed that show and, and you know, I I realized we got four seasons and we should be happy with that, but it just makes me sad when they cancel the things I like. But do you want to talk about who she's supposed to be playing in, in She Hulk? I guess she's supposed to be playing a villain. And Mm. I went to look her up
1: and I saw her costume had like no midriff. Like she had no buttons to connect her shirt all the way down. I was like, well, come on now. I hope that's not why they cast this poor girl. They got to have a costume for her, a full costume. I'm talking one that covers all the bits, by the way, Jim, I got to say, why is it that female warriors? never seem concerned about protecting their midriff. You know, if you were to gut your enemy, that's a quick way to dispatch them. Why is it that the female warriors in the movies never get to protect their sensitive parts like their stomach? Ugh. You know... Ugh, shameful. Okay. I'm, I'm glad Black Widow's at least covered, right? Mm-hmm. She's she's not been, you know, sexified. She's just a beautiful woman in in black
0: suit, so that's cool. Okay. It's not Kara. It's, it's not Superman's cousin. There's another female superhero in the dc world it's the one where her outfit in the cleavage area has this oval i want to say it's it's some relative of superman and it's just one of those things where you look at the outfit and it's just one of these things where it's like i get it i'm A teenage boy, I'm buying a comic book. This image might make me happy. But, per, but from an operational point of view, it's like, really? That's the outfit? That's how you go out in the world and you, you save people from buildings that are falling down? And do you have to stop occasionally in clean debris out of... I don't know. Of course, you know, to be entirely fair here... If we're, we're, we're talking about this, somebody needs to explain to me where Bruce Banner buys his shorts. I think that, uh, you know, Tony Stark makes suits for everybody,
1: right? He made Spider-Man half a dozen suits throughout the movies already. So okay. I'm sure he probably had some stretchy Stark tech. <laughs> <laughs> it was a new brand of
0: star architecture, Jim. We're gonna I, there, revisit I was waiting. I was waiting for the callback, and <laughs> thank you, thank you. All right, I yeah. always can count on a professional. Okay, <laughs> well, cool. All right, moving on here. Did you see the video that popped up this week about Chadwick Boseman's first audition for Marvel Studios? The one where he's applying for the role of Drax the Destroyer in in the first Guardians film
1: right now i uh saw the one about uh demon Hinsu.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: he uh, apparently had audition for drax as well and mm-hmm. james gunn went you're too small and he's like i'm six foot plus you know like ha ha and he's like no, no no you're you're too small
0: and then uh, when he saw dave batista he went oh yeah yeah okay i get it <laughs> now, speaking of dave batista and on on the last episode of, of marvel us disney we talked at length about how Batista, who's been out doing publicity for Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder uh, thing for Netflix, was talking about I think this may be my last time around as as Drax. You know, it's it's tough putting on the makeup and the sensitive nipples, yeah. Well, again, that, that's why they, he should have an outfit with an oval. There we go. Okay. Anyway, I, a friend from Marvel Studio reached out and said, by the way, you know, I just wanted to share that there is perhaps another reason that David is talking about this being his last appearance as Drax. And that, do you remember how on, on the very first Guardians film, we found out that the Drax's motivation going after Ronan the Accuser is that he was seeking revenge on the man who, who'd killed his wife and daughter supposedly one of the plot threads for guardians volume three is that drax learns that his daughter and i want to say it's kamaria wasn't necessarily killed by Ronan; that she is still out there somewhere alive now the question becomes okay so over the course of this film does drax make a heroic sacrifice to free his daughter or do after he reunites with his daughter, does he then say goodbye to, you know, his friends on the Benatar? That's a logical conclusion. What David Batista perhaps isn't saying here is that the, maybe this is a story-driven reason that this is the last time we're going to see Drax in a, a Guardians film, or at least his version of this character? Well, I mean, they also had
1: the uh, Sly Stallone and uh, the other version of, of the Guardians that made a little cameo in an after-credits scene. And if you ever want to rotate some of those, I mean, Miley Cyrus voicing a robot, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, throw her into the mix anytime and I'm sure it would be phenomenal. So, I mean, yeah, they've got options and they don't need to, just like the Avengers, the team can rotate in and out, you know, as long as you got a core that are familiar.
0: But while we're talking about Guardians, I was wondering if you had been paying attention to what was going on this week at E3, the the big gaming thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so
1: what's up with the blue llama with the red hair? Did, <laughs> did Mystique turn into a llama? What's up with that? I'm sorry, I've put the cart before the llama. Jim, go ahead and tell
0: the story, then we'll get to the blue well, llama thing. Well, no, it just, it's one of these things where Square Enix previewed their Guardians of the Galaxy game. And correct me if I'm wrong, is Square Enix the same outfit that just did the Marvel's The Avengers game, or is that another outfit? Yeah, I, I think it was. Yeah, Square Enix w- was the folks who did the, the Avengers game, which y- y- <laughs> we did a number of shows of, where you talked about playing that. And the yeah, very- they've added a, a lot to the game over the course of time. They've added new characters. Mm-hmm. They've
1: got Hawkeye in there now. Mm-hmm. They've got, uh, I want to say, a whole Black Panther mm-hmm. uh, character and land to play in, a chapter there. And uh, yeah, they've they've spent a considerable amount of time and effort continuously pumping out new content, even if it is lazy crap, like different costumes. I hate cosmetic stuff. man. It's just like, yeah, I mean, it looks nice, but I'm not paying two ninety nine to make Captain America, you know, a little bit more blue and a little bit more red in the, in the outfit. That's not
0: why I'm here to I want to play the game. I want it to be good, right. So what was interesting coming out of e three this week is there's that pirate rpg, the the Sea of Thieves.
1: Mm-hmm. that yep. just
0: announced the big Part of the Caribbean expansion where, you know, you can play Jack Sparrow. They're, they're bringing Davy Jones in. You know, it's very much the world of the, the film franchise. And they, and what's interesting is they are so stylized in the Sea of Thieves way, but it's still very recognizable. Okay, that's Johnny Depp's take on Captain Jack Sparrow and Davy Jones and the like. And And then to see Square Enix's, Take on the Guardians characters and especially to weren't there complaints about the Marvel's Avenger game, about the fact that they didn't necessarily look like the MCU versions of the characters? Yeah, no, they
1: they had their own unique look and the voice actors never even tried to emulate anything that came from the the movies so it it could truly be its own independent thing and fans had gotten so used to you know robert downey jr's tony stark it was just like oh my god how how dare you and it's like guys this used to be you know a print words for you know three or four decades before we got to
0: this point be thankful that we have cool things like the movies and games and shut up about the stupid little differences just enjoy it no, no i totally get what you're saying but at the same time i have to acknowledge the fact that the trailer for the guardians games dropped and to watch the comments on social media is the effect of these look nothing like the characters <laughs> right, yeah. and and just the whole notion of I can't help but think Disney, the giant corporation that just spent all of the money and all of the time to make sure that when Pirates goes into Sea of Thieves, that, you know, that looks like Johnny Tapp's version of Captain Jack Sparrow. And it's just the whole notion of, particularly with this having been are concerned with the Marvel's The Avengers game that maybe they could we revisit the design of the... Well, here's the thing, though, Jim, is you've got the comic books, you've got the
1: cartoons, you've got stuff for little kids. Mm-hmm. By the way, the uh, opening animation for Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends that's sung by Fallout Boy mm-hmm. just floored me. It was awesome. But uh, beyond that, Marvel is different things to different people, and mm-hmm. you can't just be down one specific path because it's popular right now. Mm-hmm. There are so many different formats. Mm -hmm. that spider-man or iron man can show up in it would not be wise to just print robert downey jr's face across the comic books and the video games and the thing because it's no longer iron man it's robert downey jr and there's a difference we hired robert to play tony stark not to personify him to the grave and then adopt his image into everything thereafter right He got cast because he looked like a a print version of Tony Stark. They didn't draw Tony
0: Stark to look like Robert Downey Jr., right? I get that. But it's interesting you bring up uh, uh, Spider-Man's of Eight Amazing Friends, and again, the title sequence that dropped for this Disney Jr. series. Yeah, it's for like kindergartners, I believe. They're like little bobblehead-looking characters, way you know, stubby and whatever, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But what's fascinating to me is in that cradle-to-grave Disney marketing campaign, you know, the notion of this will be the entry point for the next generation of Marvel fans. This is how they will learn about Spidey. So you have a show where you get Peter Parker, you get Miles Morales, and you get Spider-Gwen. But did you also see who else is going to be in the supporting cast of this? You got Black Panther, you got Ms. Marvel, you got the Hulk. You know, I mean, they're literally featured in the title sequence of the show. And then I was also fascinated by the notion of, we get Doc Ock, but we get the Doc Ock Female version from Into the Spider-Verse. And it's just to watch all of these Venn diagrams come together, as in, and this is our entry point for our youngest Marvel fans. But clearly, this is one of these things where there were countless meetings and corporate boardrooms or to the effect of, you know, well, Ms. Marvel, given her heritage, we want to make sure that she's part of the show because she's also, you know, a property that we're investing a lot of money in and she'll be in the, the second Captain Marvel movie. Likewise, have her own series on Disney Plus.
1: So this is like the back in the olden day when the cigarette companies go, candy cigarettes, get the kids <laughs> hooked when they're young. Get that hand-to-mouth yes, habit yes, going when yes. they're four or five, so when they turn 16, they're smoking two packs a day. Mm. Yeah, this is this is just the same thing, but different. I got to tell you a quick story about the E3 mm-hmm. uh, with James Gunn. Yep, There was a game uh, reveal for Bethesda's Starfield. It's basically Skyrim in space. I can't wait to play it. And apparently James Gunn is on the same page because he said he misinterpreted the, uh, the release date at first. He thought it was coming at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. And he goes... Uh, hey guys, Marvel, is. do I really have to finish that movie right away? I mean, I might need a couple months here. And then he saw that the date was for this time, ne- or, you know, for the end of next year. And he's like, oh, false alarm. Never mind. I can do that movie. Don't worry. I got this. And so uh, oh. I was like, yeah, I'm with you, James. I'm totally with you on that. I want to just take a, a month or two off and get lost in space in this new game. Looks like a blast. Got it.
0: Okay. Oh, speaking of Mr. Gunn, we were talking about. Guardians volume three. And, you know, when James gets in the saddle again to direct the next guardians film, like we said, not just volume three, it's also all of the, you know, the right elements for uh, cosmic rewind. It's likewise the holiday special. And James has talked about, this is his last rodeo, so to speak in the guardians world. I mean, he's going to go out with a bang. And so supposedly that also is influencing a lot of the story choices, That are being made for Volume Three. I mean, you know, there's. I've been hearing from friends in the effects world about this time around. It's not just Rocket and Groot as the fully CG characters, but there's also a Lady Lila. Do you know of this supposedly Rocket soulmate, the Otter? Oh yeah, I had I had heard. I don't.
1: I had never read the Mm. a comic that had this character in it, Mm -hmm. so I was unfamiliar until I had uh, read the reports about Rocket's soulmate was going to be another. Mm-hmm. And I, all I knew was it was like a woodland creature. That was about as far as I could remember. I didn't know okay. if it was a
0: beaver or a woodchuck <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> okay. Groundhog, okay. whatever. Well, evidently she's a, a very lovely female otter who could go toe-to-toe with Rocket. But Rocket, who's he's had a rough go of it and it, it would, would be nice to, to have have him find love. Likewise, where we left off in Endgame it was, with Peter Quill and Gamora, they still have to find their way back to one another. So, you know, again, you can kind of sense the story choices that Gunn has made going into this third and, for him, final film. But at the same time, we we were talking about poor David Batista, and, as you were mentioning, his his sensitive nipples and, you know, all the makeup and that sort of thing. But did you see just this week that Anna Paquin made an appearance in the Jesse Cagle podcast? And was talking about how Hugh Jackman, when he was making the X-Men films, was was absolutely tortured between the, the having to, to wear the claws for Wolverine, the makeup there, and, and likewise the stunt work. She just talked about he's this incredibly lovely person who never once complained when it would be 40 below zero, they'd be outside, he'd be doing a stunt where he had to go backwards off of a building and land on his back, and they'd do it over and over and over again, and he never once complained, and he was nice to everyone, and that included the crew, and... And that he's still her best friend, because she did all of her scenes with him, and she was a relatively young performer and just could not have been nicer. I love stories like that. But conversely, I am totally embarrassed to have to admit this, but Wyatt Russell... The gentleman who played John Walker, the, the new Captain America, and then U.S. agent. He's a smug, arrogant jerk is what he is, right? Well, is that what you learned? No, he's the son
1: of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. I meant salt of the earth. Salt of the earth is what I meant to say. Good guy. Lovely. Well, that's, really, yeah, really? Really yeah. Really? You're, you're putting me on.
0: Well, no. And, and, and now when you look at the jaw, well, of course it's Kurt Russell's oh. jaw. Jeez, oh man, you're right. God. Yeah. Uh,
1: he was cast for his jaw. <laughs> right? Good jeans, man. Good jeans. They go all the way through, don't they? Goldie, oh man, good jeans. They, oh, geez, good looking kid. No, I see it now. I see it. I
0: do, same thing. But it's Damn just that it. I never, you know, in the entire time watching that show. If and you
1: the- ever watched Resident Alien, I do believe there was a scene where
0: he's like, he's handsome. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, now I will have to watch that. Yeah, anyway. Continuing the news here, Annecy, the International Animation Festival, is going on right now over in France. And Victoria Alonso, the head executive uh, vice president of production at Marvel Studios, is over there showing off clips from What If. The downside is, evidently, what they showed at the animation f- uh, festival was... More of the Peggy Carter stuff we've already seen of her sort of being transformed into uh, Captain Britain. I guess it was an extended version of the scene. So we got to see more of Steve Rogers, more of Howard Stark. I got a brilliant idea, Jim. Mm -hmm. At
1: Marvel, what if they should call the producers of Harley Quinn and get a little (laughs) a cut of, of season three, a scene that didn't make it and do what if Batman did? Totally changing the <laughs>
0: subject here. Okay, back to uh, what if. Because WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki have been doing so well, there have evidently been lots of conversations about, we got to keep the ball rolling here. We got to keep the focus on Marvel Studios. So the, the notion was, do we go straight into what if? And there's been evidently some pushback because it's like, well, well, first of all, these are, these are half hour long guys. I mean, they're animated. We don't want to promise like Loki size thrills and have it be animated or more to the point when people commit 40 or 50 minutes to sit down to watch an episode of a limited series, when we're asking them to do the same thing with 22 minutes. Um It's a question right
1: there is like, when they say half hour, do they mean eight minutes of credits included in that half hour? So it's only 22 minutes or yeah. is it 38 minutes with eight minutes of credits tacked onto a half hour of entertainment because that will also determine how some people feel about certain things. I know I kind of felt that way about WandaVision is like, really, these seem really short. Mm-hmm. By the time I'm just getting into it, it's over. Mm-hmm. And overall, I mean, I still like the show, but it just felt brief. And you get into the, the lattice two of, of Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki, and they've got some meat on the bone. So mm-hmm. I'm more happy with those longer episodes.
0: If you actually double back to WandaVision, and as long as they were married to the conceit of Wanda is producing effectively sitcom versions of her life and she's moving through the history. I mean, you were kind of married to that notion of these have to be a half hour worth of story because that's what classic sitcoms were. But as we get into the later episodes and her control over the world starts to slip away. They start to get supersized. Mm -hmm. You start to get longer episodes. And I remember reading something there. There was actually some concern, you know, with the filmmakers to that effect. It's like, I hope they hang in there past episode three when we. (laughs) Right, because that's when it starts. Yeah. I think as a creative
1: decision, Mm -hmm. I probably would have opted for 45 minute episodes where you marry, uh, episodes one and two together and then tighten them up. So it's, you can go, Hey, look, we're not doing just like the sixties in this episode and then the seventies and the next one and eighties and the next one and nineties in the next one, we're going to mm-hmm. do fifties and sixties in the first half hour and then, uh, seventies and eighties in the second half hour of the show. Mm-hmm. So that way we can cover four decades and get it moving because mm-hmm. I, I swear to God, you, nothing of consequence happens in episodes one or two except setting up the premise Mm -hmm. of their episodes you can still have that concept Mm -hmm. but just smash it together and go hey look here's the here's the 60s here's the 70s here's the 80s the audience is smart enough the mtv generation is used to fast clips Mm -hmm. they get it they don't need it to be exactly 22 minutes ago by golly it was just like 1967 mod Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i don't I don't think they had to go that far so a uh, creative decision and and you know i, th- I think out of all of disney plus has given us for marvel i think episodes one and two of wandavision are the
0: weakest out of everything everything else has been just just aces kid now a quick question because I, I was just talking with a friend about loki he enjoyed watching wandavision and uh falcon and the winter soldier in all in one fell swoop which meant basically you had to go into the pop culture bunker for weeks right. and deliberately yeah. avoid spoilers and 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 that sort of thing. But he felt that, you know, when you watched it in one fell swoop, it, it was like one giant super size MCU film. Great stun work, great effects, that sort of thing. And he's, he's planning on doing the same thing with Loki. And I don't know if, you know, again, uh, given what you and I do, we don't really have the option of doing that. To me, it would feel like uh, opening your
1: Christmas presents on the 28th. Like, why? 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 <laughs> why? That's just wrong. You're making Jesus cry. Open your present.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. Disney
1: listeners, please don't make Jesus cry.
0: Watch your episodes right away. Eat your vegetables. <laughs> okay. Well, now, now, speaking of which, given that the TVA deals with time jumps all the time, it's entirely appropriate, folks, that when you next hear from Aaron and I, would will at least be twelve hours later. But uh, up shortly, he and I will talk at length about Loki.
1: This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owners' racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world.
0: And we're back. Do we sound different? It's been 15 hours. No, 14 since Aaron and I last recorded. So, (laughs) Mr. Adams, how are you starting your morning? Uh, I'm starting it with a healthy beverage that my wife and I enjoy. It's
1: called uh, Loki's Loki Key Key Lime Pie Cocktail. And it is a fantabulous way to start a show at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. If you want to make it at home, three ounces Blue Chair Bay Key Lime Rum Cream. Beautiful by itself, but add two ounces pressed coconut water, one ounce vanilla rum, shake in a little shaker with some ice. Now, here's the trick, Jim. You wet mm-hmm. your glass with the lime juice around the rim, dip it in some graham cracker dust. Pour your beverage, garnish with a little uh, lime wheel and a marshino cherry. Oh, you'd think you'd have your toes in the water in the beaches of Florida. Oh, my goodness. Good stuff.
0: That's, I'm sorry, it's all I can manage in the morning to do coffee and then pour creamer into it. That just that sounds so much more elaborate, but wow, okay, then, well, as they say, what is it? They, they It's O'Clock somewhere. There we go, you know, the sun is over the yardarm somewhere, so. Exactly. All right, so, you and I have both watched the first two episodes of Loki, which I am enjoying tremendously. What's your feel? So, you know, we're a third of the way into our story so far. What what do you think? I'm glad that
1: Owen Wilson isn't required to act in the show whatsoever. He just shows up, he does his own thing, and uh, it's fabulous. Wow. (laughs) I think episode one was kind of exposition heavy, so I was very happy when we got little diversions like D.B. Cooper on the airplane. Mm -hmm. And very uh, similar, episode two was kind of uh, exposition heavy, so I was thankful for little diversions like, Uh, Pompeii and Vesuvius, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's a a little treat along the way, but you know, there was quite a bit of, of Owen and Loki just sitting at a table chatting in -hmm. both episodes. So they're delivering a lot of information and I hope that, uh, it's going to start to get a little bit quicker. I am enjoying it. I mean, everything's been good. I just need it to just kind of start clicking of, of adventure and, and mayhem and whatnot.
0: If I could offer some perspective here, in fact, this information comes from an absolutely wonderful interview that Steve Weintraub just did with Michael Waldron, the gentleman who created the series for Marvel. He came out of community and wrote some of the the better episodes of of Rick and Morty. So, you know, the the Venn diagram where that meets is where we are with Loki. But he talks about how before he came on the board, Marvel made a very deliberate choice to the effect of... They wanted to do a show about Loki in the TVA. They wanted to take this character that was all about chaos and put him in an organization that was all about preserving the timeline. That was a, a kind of a delicious idea. Kind of just hmm. sort of this soulless bureaucratic organization that is all about preserving the timeline. But Michael in this interview talked about the fact that, you know, going into this, we'd already seen time travel done in the Marvel Universe. We'd seen it as part of Endgame. So it was kind of like, okay, that establishes how time works in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What are the rules then for the TVA? And so just to reinforce the point you were just making, that involves a lot of exposition. That Mm -hmm. involves a lot of laying down of rules. And in a lot of ways, the very thing you were just talking about with Owen Wilson, that we're so lucky to have an actor like him who is very good at the not acting acting because there's a lot of front loading for this thing. But at the same time, the fact that twice now in the first two episodes, we've seen Owen Wilson uh, when the TVA is, you know, stepped into the past and interacting with, with people. Mm. Owen's gone out of his way to say things to the effect of, They shouldn't be frightened of us. We're here and these people are frightened. They're either you know, they're facing a hurricane or there's just been a killing and it's like they shouldn't be frightened of us. And it just sort of for me, that kind of weighs into that whole difference between Marvel and DC that I always think back to that moment in Marvel's Avengers where it's it's during the Battle of New York and Captain America suddenly interacting with the NYPD and it's like, you need to, you know, you know, there's people trapped in there. You need to get, get a set up a perimeter over there. And the N Y P D guys like, why should we listen to you? And then the Shatari attack and Captain America lays waste to them And then just turns back the MP uh, N Y P D guy and immediately. Okay. What he said, we do. Right. I think the DC film is, the, especially the, the Zack Snyder ones never got that right never understood that the superheroes are protecting people yeah but it, it, the destruction is so pretty on the screen
1: you know it's like well, just pretend that they all evacuated instantly and then the, the whole building came tumbling down and we just won't even talk about it because we're here to watch a Big, huge
0: smackdown. That's it, exactly. But even with you know, stepping ahead to Age of Ultron, the fact that you suddenly had that scene where it's like, we need to get these people out of here. We need to, you know, these guys were willing to stay in the city trying to save as many people as possible at the cost of perhaps their own lives. And it's just sort of like, I love moments like that where you see Characters behaving decently, which, again, makes a nice contrast to Loki, who is, you know, all of his self-interest. So, all right. So uh, stepping aside from the, uh, and again, a lot of exposition, Mm -hmm. we've only got six episodes of, of this one. So we're a third of the way around the track. So how spoiler are we going to get here?
1: Oh, we're living in Spoiler City, baby. We we're parked the car, we've purchased the home, we've moved
0: the kids in and this is where we live now. Spoiler <laughs> City. Okay. <laughs> then what did you think of the revelation in in episode 2 about who who our Jason is? Yes,
1: I, I think uh I, well I wasn't surprised that mm-hmm. it wasn't Tom Hiddleston's face. Mhm. Okay at the end of episode one we get a silhouette at the end of the show Mm -hmm. if that were tom hiddleston that we were chasing they would have shown his face grinning from ear to ear split like a pez dispenser about to dispense candy right Mm -hmm. that would have made it more impactful to know that we were actually chasing loki the real loki to keep it in a silhouette says it's not tom hiddleston's loki at the very Mm -hmm. least it's somebody else now After the reveal that it is a, what appears to be a female version of Loki because she's got a a crown with a Mm -hmm. couple of smaller horns that look Mm Loki-esque. But if you go to IMDB, the casting, her name is Sophia DiMartino, and she is uh, labeled as the variant, not female Loki, not Loki, just the variant. So who is she? Who it Really, who is she? I don't think she's Loki. I don't, I don't remember Loki having a power where he could touch someone and a little green energy would pass his being onto someone else. But I think he would have said, hey, I don't have that talent. When he saw that happen, he would put that together on his own, right? So I don't know. I'm, I'm uh, hesitant to, to take any real guesses as to who this female
0: character is right now. Okay, okay. But again, if we remember our, our final moments of episode two, we, we are effectively watching. Oh, now the the
1: bombs? Getting, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Now that is where I got excited. That's where my heart started racing a little bit. And I said, this is where my story starts. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I was like a dog when the when the owner just came. I'm like, hey, how you doing, boss? How you doing? Where are you going? Are you going in the kitchen? Let me
0: follow you. Let me, let, me, let me sniff your leg. Where you been? Where you been? What's What's going on? Okay. Okay. (laughs) And then it stopped and I went, oh, I got to wait a week. But it's so interesting. You say, you say that, that the wait a week because Michael Waldron. He knew going into this, it's, it's, you know, the thing of time travel movies is that, you know, it's one thing when you're watching the movie and you're like, oh, I had a good time. And, but you're in the car you're driving home. Like, wait a minute. (laughs) Right, you know, yep, the, yep. that couldn't have worked that way. I mean, when you're watching the film and you're in the moment, you buy it. But, you know, home, you pick apart. He said the problem going into this is he knew right from the front, the episodes are going to be a week apart. So it's like they had to be airtight. Because again, people were gonna have a week to pick these things apart, to look for the holes, you know, for to look for the, so, the, the, wait the a story flush. You know, what what you're telling me is they were not able to hire any writers from the
1: series Lost. Is that <laughs> is that what you're saying? Oh had more holes in a block of Swiss cheese, my friend.
0: <laughs> uh, it's so funny the the murder squad podcast I listen to, Paul Holes, who's one of the hosts there is introducing his kids to to lost right now that they're, mm. they're, I guess they've started in season one and he, Paul actually admitted that, you know, I, in a of way I feel kind of bad because I know as we get to the end of this thing, you know, the end of lost is very controversial and oh. it's just sort of like, those kids still have time to run away from home. Look on the positive <laughs> side, Jim. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I always felt, I mean, I, I, when I finished lost, it was one of these things where it's like, well, how else could you have ended
1: that? I think if you would have not had no answers as you're writing, like smoke monster. It yeah, sounds great, but it oh, looks great. Yeah, let's do that. Well, what's it mean? I've got no idea. You know what I mean? If, if you don't know okay. anything about yeah. what you're writing. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Okay. So they okay. didn't work on Loki. Thankful for that. We got wonderful uh, <laughs> writers that were more airtight
0: than Tupperware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we plug into our previous storyline with Loki. We got a character who was introduced with the original Thor back in May May of 2011. We saw him become the, the supervillain, so to speak, with Marvel's Avengers. And we then watched as he began to kind of redeem himself between, you know, the storyline of Thor The Dark World, Ragnarok, and then he makes, you know, the heroic sacrifice in Infinity Wars. You know, so mm-hmm. Michael Waldron talks about, you know, when they came to him and, you know, and he, he was like, I want to do this show because it's like, how many times do you get to work with a beloved villain? And that mm-hmm. was the thing. Loki is, he's a beloved villain. Mm-hmm. The fact that you really can't trust him is really kind of part of his charm. But at the same time, that scene, that little throwaway scene in Avengers Endgame where he, he grabs a Tesseract and disappears, you know, that's the thing. This isn't the Loki that redeemed himself.
1: No, this is still the one that hasn't learned any of those hard-learned lessons yet. and But yeah. he does get to witness them mm-hmm. through his Loki's greatest hits at the TVA interrogation in, in episode one. And, you know, he also realizes that he's responsible for the, the death of his adoptive mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he feels guilt or shame for that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And then to go from there to see that he does end up, dying to try and save Thor uh, at the hands of Thanos, who he was working for last. Like it was only just hours ago yeah. that he was just working for that guy. And it turns out, you know, that in the future he ends up killing him. And so but I I wish in that greatest hit scene, we would have got Hulk ragdolling Loki and, and just yeah. <laughs> see some guilt and shame of, oh, do we have to look at this
0: again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. I have to admit it, it especially in the context of that film. It, it is a wonderful moment. It is. It really is. But yeah, I mean, the whole note. I mean, if you think about it, over these these six episodes, we get to see the you're kind of the same card trick played out. We get to see Loki redeem himself, or maybe not. By the way, I and I know you 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 brought this up before. In fact, but, but please tell your less than subtle Miss Minutes <laughs> exposition story. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when uh, they are doing the exposition, you, you got to right, you got to let people know what's up. But when Miss Minutes, the little charming talking clock, mm-hmm. in the very first episode talks about oh, and there's a branching timeline and that could lead to madness with a <laughs> multiverse of bad things and it's just like really you got to put madness and multiverse right together like that I, and it was like i could just then imagine like dr strange appearing in the lower left-hand corner kind of leaning against uh his doctor partner It was a, rachel mcadams you know like mm-hmm. a, like a fox promo coming up right <laughs> smiling all charming they're kind of rotating on a Lazy Susan somehow. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's just like,
0: really? Come on, guys. When you realize that Michael Waldron, as he was working on Loki, Marvel pivoted and, oh, by the way, we want to do a second pass on the script for... Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So, you know, would you take that on? So, I don't know if maybe that's a nod to the fact that he got the writing assignment or the fact that what, you know, the events we're seeing here. That's a nod like a bobblehead. It
1: just keeps going and going. No, I that, that no. was, yeah, heavy-handed, heavy heavy-handed.
0: Previously, you and I have talked about how you, know, you look at a movie like, avengers endgame or infinity war and the fact that you know you have your two and a half hour make you know two and three quarter hour running time and even then you're fighting for space you're looking for everybody to get their moment or that sort of thing and now that the luxury of having these shows that have six episodes or eight episodes where you get three or four hours of screen time you can do some very interesting storytelling
1: yeah, I am actually getting more more interested in Marvel as a series on mm-hmm. Disney Plus. And, you know, movies will be a treat and all, but they're going to seem so short by comparison. Like mm-hmm. after you spend four or five, six hours with one set of characters over the course of a couple of months, and then you walk into a theater, then blink, you're out of the theater, and then you're back mm-hmm. home. You go, what the hell did I just watch? Was it good? <laughs>
0: Uh, by the way, just uh, throw another uh, uh, log on the fire here. Michael talked about when he went walked into this gig with Loki, it was an intense schedule. It was like Falcon of the Winter Soldier was first, WandaVision was after them, and we were always going to be third. But then Falcon of the Winter Soldier and, and WandaVision flip-flopped. And that's kind of intriguing to me. If WandaVision, at least in my mind, kind of plowed the road... Set a level of expectations going into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but you were just talking earlier in the show about how, you know, for example, Wandavision with its first two episodes that had to set up that sort of sitcom aesthetic, and it's you mm-hmm. know they they kind of vamp for the whole thing, whereas. With Falcon of the Winter Soldier, it's like bang, that big helicopter rescue with the flight suits and that sort of thing. I mean they they started right off the bat with this is a Marvel superhero story for Disney Plus, but you know we're going to deliver stunt scenes and effects right up there with the MCU theatrical releases. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of intrigued by that, and if things would have been different, if if Falcon of the Winter Soldier had been the first one out the gate. I really don't
1: think so, because even if Wanda, for me, started slow, and I Mm -hmm. know other people that just loved it beginning to end, and that's great, but you've said the rule many times before is a a strong ending can forgive Mm -hmm. a weak beginning. You know, Mm -hmm. if you start strong and end weak, that's unforgivable, Uh, but if you start weak and end strong, that's that's okay, right? Mm -hmm. So if Wanda did start off weak, it ended fabulously. And I mm-hmm. enjoyed it. By the time we got to the end, I loved everything about it. Mm-hmm. So I forgave a, a weak beginning. And same here with Loki. There's a lot of mm-hmm. exposition, but damn, if some of it isn't funny. Like when Loki says he's going to burn the place down and Owen Wilson's like, "Start start in my office. Let's go. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. great. When Loki says, I'm going to gut you like a fish. And the guy goes, what's a
0: fish? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and also the fact that. That, that wonderful throwaway of when he's sort of going through somebody's desk drawer and looks, and here's a draw full of infinity stones right and the notion of the clerk character is like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we have a lot of those you know? some people use them for paperweights and to watch loki's face because again as you mentioned this is a guy who's just walked out of marvel's the avengers and you know he here he was working so hard to get the tesseract to get the first infinity stone and it's like you know here's all of them <laughs> you know and they're useless yeah, yeah. and it, it but it's like useless and it's just sort of like This is such a game changer for the MCU. Yeah. And I really want to know where is the TVA? Is it a
1: place? Is it a time? Is it in our future? Is it hidden in the past? Is it in the core of the earth? Is it on the
0: moon? Where the hell is it? (sighs) It looks fantastic. But but in a, a you know the other thing is a truly soulless bureaucratic sort of way, very much leaning into. In fact, I, I love the dot matrix printers. They lean as much as they do into the seventies technology. Yeah, the giant green monochrome monitors that weigh about ninety pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. this has some fun places to go. If you're a betting man, where are we going in three, four, five, six? Now, I mean, we've we've separated. Loki and Agent Mobius. Well, I think one obvious point right there is Loki mm-hmm. ran away. You
1: know, mm-hmm. I love those time doors, by the way. It's, it's new visual language in our MCU. And I, I really appreciate that it's very unique, but it makes sense instantly. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. So our villain, the variant, gets mm-hmm. away through the door. Loki's there at that last moment. Mobius is coming after him. Loki, don't go. Of course, Loki mm-hmm. jumps through the door. So where do we go from there? Story-wise, what makes sense to me is Mobius and, and company are going to say, ah, that Loki, I knew we couldn't trust him. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Loki's going to go hunting after the variant in his own Loki way solo. Mm-hmm. That way we can he can be untethered from the rules and shenanigans can ensue. And then when Mobius and company finally catch up, he can be all smarmy like, I wasn't trying to get away. I was trying to catch the variant, and I did. Here she is. Ta-da, I am Loki, mm. and he can hold out his arms and do that pose. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you know the pose I'm talking about. When I know the it. pose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets paid, by the way. Every time he does that pose, <laughs> he gets a little bonus. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, and 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 that way he can be looked at as the bad guy by the the TVA. But mm-hmm. we know that he's he's learned he's changing his ways he's going to be a good guy and that can set us up as the audience for him to fool us later on when he
0: pulls the rug out for the grand finale that's that's uh, how i see that playing out okay so folks we'll have to wait and see if if, if aaron's prediction here me i'm i'm just along for the ride at this time i'm really enjoying it. but one final thought before we close out here you're a betting man what's the over and under on the number of, you know, cosplayers dressed as Loki's that that this, you know, that show up this summer at their local Renaissance fair because it's like, hey, you know, did you see Loki? He fits in this world now.
1: <laughs> oh God. I, I'm sorry. I had a flashback. When I was in the South, in the deep south, mm-hmm. I did uh, for the Renaissance fair a commercial that mm-hmm. was ye old Mary English to Southern English. It was like <laughs> they will be Joe Sting, and it'll be like, "Hey, y'all, they gonna be riding on horses with pointy sticks and trying to knock each other off." <laughs> Everything that was mentioned in the commercial had to be translated to Southern English, and oh. uh, yeah, that was funny. Anyway, uh, what would happen is, yeah, I think the cosplayers got so mm-hmm. many choices this summer mm-hmm. for uh, conventions because we've just been flooded with great characters, and it's just been a treat. So. You can mm-hmm. have uh, a falcon. You can have falcon turned new Captain America costumes. You can have Winter Soldier. You can have Wanda. You can have the twins. You know, for the little kids, mm-hmm. dressing up as their future versions of of themselves. Uh, was it Wiccan and Sp- Speed? Um, there we go. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and then obviously you've you've got our current Loki situation where you've now got a, a male Loki and a
0: female Loki that you can cosplay as. You've got hey, if you want. Even go on Wilson, man. Wow, wouldn't that be cool? I actually that that would be fun. Though, I, I just one final note before we go here. That tells you about how huge these limited series are for Disney right now. That that they opened the Avengers Campus, uh, you know, in Anaheim Thursday before last, and then we'd had our new episode of Loki dropped in two days later. After having somebody walking around the park in the traditional Loki costume. Did you see the shots of where they actually had a cast member dressed as as Loki in his variant jumpsuit? Oh, no. Along with two members of the guard of the TVA to keep an eye on him. Oh, that's wonderful. That he was in the park two days later, dressed as that version of the character. Tells you how huge these shows are for Disney right now. The fact that, you know, we want him in the park instantaneously. The way people know him from the Disney Plus show, because that will thrill them and they'll want to get their picture taken. Though, again, I guess we're still in the the selfie with somebody standing 30 feet behind you. You can get a variation of photo, but hopefully then. Yeah. that changes soon, so. Well, anyway, like, uh, thank you for listening to our time-traveling version uh, of MUD. We should probably continue to do this, Aaron, you know, at least while, uh, while Loki's going on. I'll be making the the Loki's Loki
1: key lime pie cocktails <laughs> while we do. It's a wonderful okay. way to wake up, my friends.
0: This is Harry <laughs> Carey
1: saying, oh, it's out
0: of the park. Give me another shot, Jim. Oh. Worth it just for the Harry Carrier person. That was great. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay. Um, well, anyway, uh, we do have a couple other podcasts here. We got Disney Dish with Lentesta, We got uh, Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. We got Universal Giant with Dustin Fuse, which you got to get another one of those out the door this week. If you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this show. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard here today, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be incredibly helpful we got to get you on social media, Aaron. That would be worth it just for the Harry Carry and drink recipes. I, I'm on it. I, I'm, at, I'm at azaprod.com. That's true.
1: Oh, wait. No, that's that's. that's I don't talk there. People, <laughs> people hire me there. Never mind. Don't go there.
0: <laughs> okay, Unless you okay. want to pay me. If you want to pay me, yeah, go there. But uh, okay. no on Twitter, it's just hmm. azaprod. I stand corrected. Okay. Uh, Nancy wants me though, to remind you that you can find us on Twitter at, and Instagram is Jim Hill media and on Facebook at Jim Hill media news. And we look forward to seeing you there.